Welcome to Cold Pizza. My name is Jeff. I'm your host today. I'm a pastor here at Christ the Lord Church in Dayton, Ohio. And this is our weekly podcast where we like to take the opportunity to squeeze out every last bit we can from the proclamation of God's Word on Sunday morning. It's our chance to sit down with the preacher and tackle any further questions, applications, or bits of leftover crust to chew on that didn't quite make it into the main meal. So grab a slice and join us this week with Pastor Russell Johnson III. It's good to be here. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. Good. Been a crazy month, I guess, for us as we're moving, but uh, things are are definitely coming along, and... uh, I'm ready to pull some office hours again and feel a little normal. I'm ready for you to pull some office hours too. <laughs> a little less loopy. <laughs> Miss you. <laughs> yeah, it's been weird. It's been good. Um, we're, we're thrilled about everything, but uh, it's been it's a lot of weird work, and uh, it's ready for, to feel some normalcy again. Sure. Russ and Jess got bit by the homesteading bug. Uh, see, I'm I'm not ready to own that. Uh, okay because you're not I'm, ready to get a miniature cow yet i'm not i I want one because uh, i think they're awesome and i want cheese uh and every other dairy product and raw milk is great by the it, way it's delicious yeah. so i i want that i'm not ready for that commitment i'm not ready for the commitment of chickens in there and stuff. <laughs> well, when a guy like john moody says don't get a cow you're like ah i know he, he, he crushed my dream there <laughs> a little bit and i was like but it's a miniature one it only needs half as much <laughs> land and half as much work uh, uh no for me like and and for my family too it has been for us like i'm moving there not for animals and we we do want the land we're enjoying that sure Uh, i want trees and i want a shop and so i've got a three-car garage that's my shop now yeah so we're able to hit the ground running in that way um i'm excited for that yeah you want stuff you gotta make moves that's right i'm excited to see what you do with that well is in your house (laughs) (laughs) if you guys don't know what I'm talking about. You can ask Pastor Russ about the 30-foot well that's literally inside his house under a steel trap door. 30-foot sounds a little extreme. No, it was 30-foot. That's pretty deep. Well, and that's just to the water. I so know. So you know it's like probably like caves down there that you'd have to put on a wetsuit and go down and look. <laughs> real. That's definitely where the little the girl from the ring, though, crawls up from that thing. Yeah, so we're going to seal that off with some glass. <laughs> Make her come back through the TV like she's supposed to. <laughs> we rebuke you, Satan. Not today. Well, we're glad that you uh, were able to bring us the sermon on Sunday in the midst of all the craziness of your life right now. The Lord is good. Yeah, there's nothing quite, though, like being in the midst of a busy season, taking dominion over your family. In those times, you feel like you don't have enough time to think straight. But that's often when the Lord gives you the best material for preaching anyway. I mean, it's not like you haven't been busy and stuff as well. That's so true. You were away for part of last week, and Matt was out of the country. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's the nature of what we do, and that's okay. The Lord is good, and it's his word. Yeah. Well, praise God. All right. Hey, look, just before we get started, I want to remind everybody that if you have questions concerning the sermon— want you to write those down during the sermon, and then you can email those to jeff at ctldayton.com, and we will seek to answer those questions pertaining to the sermon um, in the cold pizza episode. So email those, jeff at ctldayton.com, and we'll answer your questions. Well, you brought us uh, the sermon from Hebrews 11, 20 through 22. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to be in Hebrews 11 until this time next year. We'll see. <laughs> Supposedly, we're wrapping up Hebrews by Christmas. <laughs> we will see. That'll be our gift to you, uh, CTL family. Although it has been really good. I've had tons of people in our CTL family tell us, tell me that um, they've really enjoyed Hebrews, in particular Hebrews 11, because they had this um, very uh, fantasy picture of what faith was. Right, it was kind of abstract and out there, and and um, one father was telling me how he's had many good conversations with his family about how faith is practical in the everyday application and walking out in obedience to the command of God's word. So he was really enjoying the different facets of yeah. Hebrews 11, even though some of these characters are. You're having to be creative to make sure we're not saying the same thing, mm-hmm. you know. And the author, though, is is wanting to show just these little different facets. I yeah. said this in the very beginning, the first sermon I preached in Hebrews, in this series, 
uh, I said the author of Hebrews is like this expert artist, painter, mm-hmm. if you will. And you know, when you get up really close on a painting, you see all these intricate colors, especially if you kind of know what you're looking for and talk to an expert artist and they say, see how I use this shading here. Mm-hmm. But if you stay with your nose against the canvas, you're not going to see the whole picture. Mm-hmm. So through all throughout Hebrews, you have to step up close, look at all the intricate colors, and then take a step back and yeah. see the big picture that he's painting. And Hebrews 11 is very much kind of like a step close, see the different shades that he used to paint with Abraham versus Isaac versus Jacob, step back and, and see uh, the grander picture. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so people have been encouraged by that. Your main points were um, sojourners at ho- I always say soldier- sojourners. There we go. <laughs> sojourners at home. Um, covenants rule everything. And children of Abraham. Uh, very practical. Kind of a, a simple text to preach, but mm-hmm. sometimes those are the hardest ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, <clears throat> on... Man, on some of them, like you really, a couple weeks ago, you were having a, like, is he talking about Abraham still, or is he talking about Sarah? And you're having to actually get right. down, break out your languages, and, you know, ask Logos, yeah. what the heck's going on here? Right. When you have commentaries disagreeing, it's like, ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and like, I'm going to, I'm going to be the, the big brain and take the medial <laughs> in the spot because I can't decide. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, so you have, some of them are like that. Some of them are weird, like this one's a little weird. Um, sure. Talking about blessings, so like, and there's so much else to talk about on these guys and everything that they did. You're like mm. that seems a little weird, but yeah, I mean, what he's trying to convey is just really straightforward. And so mm. it's tempting to overcomplicate, which I, I pray I didn't do. Um, no, you didn't. I was, I was trying to keep it uh, pretty simple, but still have things to build on there. Yeah. I think what you did that was good. You know, the title of your sermon was bet your life on that. And, and what you just said about these characters, these great patriarchs of the faith, they did do all these other things. Mm-hmm. And it would seem like the author would want to highlight those things, especially those in the chapter big of faith. Act, big acts of faith. Yeah, these giant acts of faith that these guys did. And yet he chooses these little things wrapped around this idea of blessing, mm-hmm. which that blessing, which we'll talk about here a little bit more um, in a few minutes, is what they bet their life on. Mm-hmm. It's what in their ru- most frail time exactly at the end of their life. Yeah, everything that they did was was based around that. So the blessings that it's talking about there, when it names these guys, that's the thing in which gave them the faith to do all the other amazing things that they did. Mm-hmm. Which is cool because if you compare your life, you know, in Dayton, Ohio, to the great patriarch Abraham <laughs> and the faith he had to sacrifice his son Isaac, which the scripture uh, says clearly that he actually did it in his heart and his mind and his obedience. You say, man, my faith is nothing like that. Uh, yeah. He must have had some secret sauce, something mm-hmm. special in order to be able to do that. And I just don't have that. Mm-hmm. You know, that was then, this is now, whatever excuse might be. But the same promise mm-hmm. that was promised to those guys is promised to us. Yep. Right? So let's, let's talk about that a little bit more. Uh, although, uh, here's my question to you. Um, so you talked about this idea of sojourning at home. Uh, I think a lot of folks understand that they get that. Um, what does it mean though, to be a sojourner at home? Yeah. So I chose that for my point title as a, as a double meaning, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, you can't be a sojourner at home if, if you take the classical sense of both of those terms, Right. right? And I think that that's the, the fun, uh, enigma that we're dropped into as Christians, um, and that this is not our home yet it is yeah uh, because it's been promised to us yeah and so there's that already not yet component that is just flush through all this mm-hmm. that we have to recognize and take with us that's part of the i mean most sermon people <laughs> all three of us we build on it as we go through we're not yeah. talking about three different ideas sure like if you don't pick up already not yet and walk the rest of the sermon without Uh, you're going to get lost. And so, yeah, I I love this idea um, of them being sojourners. They're in a land that's not theirs, that's theirs. Yeah. And then particularly to then, uh, as we'll talk about here at the Blessing, to then pick that up and hand it off is something that I think is is just absolutely brilliant in the way that he's discussing this um, in this passage and then helping us see 
that this is this is what faith looks like. Yeah. Is to own this blessing that you have that you don't have because you're a sojourner but you're at home. Yeah. So when you say you're a sojourner but you're at home, so, you know, you, it makes me think of uh, First Peter language. Peter really emphasizes this idea of your your aliens. Your this is not your home. You know, we sing songs like "I'm just a passing through," um, and sometimes that seems like it can. This idea of "I'm just passing through" seems like it might stand in contrast to this idea of like taking dominion and um, possessing the land. Uh, obviously, the Lord is the one who gives us the land. That's been a major theme throughout. Hebrews 11, the Lord is the one who gives and imparts faith, um, but you got to go possess it. Yeah, that's totally different. So, like, I think about my time as a sojourner in this world. Uh, I think about when I'm in Canada, and I still act like an American mm-hmm. you know, among us. Amen. So, I'm up there in 2019, uh, and we're talking about Trump with uh, <laughs> some of the surf shop owners, <laughs> right? And we're like, yeah, that's, that's who we've got, mm-hmm. you know? And and all the fun things about that, going into a subway in Canada and asking for American cheese mm. and them telling me with a straight face, this is some like, you know, snobby 17-year-old girl. She's like, we just call it cheese here. I'm like, thanks, I appreciate that. It's American. Um, if it's yellow and you can throw it and it sticks on the wall, uh-huh. it's you, American cheese. You have us to thank for that. Yep. That's not welcome in France. That's the best cheese to make. <laughs> a, a grilled cheese sandwich. It's time for lunch. 100%. So yeah. Hungry. <laughs> so then we're, you know, in, in Haiti and in the Dominican Republic or when I'm in Costa Rica and we're playing soccer with Haitians mm-hmm. and they come over and they pull up my shirt and they see my black undershirt and they freak out and then they point to my arm and they're like, <laughs> are you two colors? You know? Yes. Um. So, yeah. <laughs> to me being like the largest person on the aisle – you know, um, it's just, that's me being the character of an American in a foreign place. Sure. And I have no right to their stuff, mm-hmm. place, land, expectation. Right. Right. I'm not going to go take Canada. I'm not going to go take, you know, the Dominican. Versus me having the character of a Christian being in a land that's not mine, that will be mine. Yeah. And so when I go to do work in mission trips, I'm bringing the kingdom there. Yeah, because uh, I'm a sojourner in that land. So the way that I do ministry there is entirely different than the way that I ask for a sandwich. Mm. <laughs> yeah, sort of. But you you get the point. Like if I'm purely just a sojourner and I have no expectation, blessing, covenant, promise to this land, to this space, to whatever, then I'm going to live in a just an American way. But mm. if I'm going as a Christian and I bring that Christian character with me, I'm doing something entirely different than your average secular American who goes there for vacation. Yeah. So so one thing you're saying is that uh, when you go, well, I experienced the same thing many trips to uh, Mexico, mm-hmm. also trips to Japan. I'm the tallest guy there, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Um, and so you stand out, Yep. right? Um, I also have a Canadian brother-in-law who um, we forgive him for being Canadian. And we love him, but uh, he actually lives in Florida now, so he actually got saved. But um, not really; he was saved before. You get the joke. <laughs> um, he just realized there was a better land. But every time he would go home to Canada, he had this saying um, that they would all say, um, "Hey, hey, hey, get out of my way! I just got back from the USA." Because <laughs> you know Americans are loud and pushy, according to them. I'm like, you guys, you guys are just too quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. You go and you stand out as an American or, you know, somebody from a different culture comes here. You know, think of our friend, Pastor Fabiano. He stands out. He's from the Congo. And the way he dresses and the way he interacts um, is very much a culture there. Um, Even though he's a sojourner here, that this is his home, but he's from somewhere else. And so what you're saying is that Christians should look different, right? Can we just make that really simple Mm -hmm. application point that they should look different and not seek to blend in with the world, and if we're talking about something like evangelism, in order to win the world, we should not seek to blend in with the world. In fact, the thing that will help us win the world is being completely different. Yeah. Which is the core of what the church is about. It's the called out ones. Yeah, I mean, or you could co-opt Paul's I became all things all people to mm-hmm. justify your entire theology of pragmatism. <laughs> There's that. Sure. But 
Yeah, no, exactly. You stand out and and you stand out and act in a different way than a, than a pagan would stand out and act in a different way. So, I mean, mm-hmm. if you take, you know, random guy who also plays basketball, has a beard, wears Filson hats mm-hmm. and goes to Canada with you, mm-hmm. you guys are still doing entirely different things, even though you're diff- both Americans. Right. Right. You have a different expectation because in a sense you are taking Canada. You're bringing the kingdom of God there. Sure. And so th- that is a sojourner at home. It's yeah. yours. It's good. That's good. So everything we do must be done in a in a Christianly way. Yeah, I was hoping that people would, would gather that from the pizza analogy, but I think it was just the kids. <laughs> the kid, yeah, kids were like, "What pizza? We get pizza?" <laughs> Best rest. Right, pizza. and well, all of Matt's kids were like, "Where's the pizza, Dad?" Rusty said you were going to give us. I bet they had to pizza. get that for Sunday night. Probably. <laughs> so as we live as sojourners at home. Um, you you begin to talk about what what enables us to do that um, is the idea of covenants ruling everything, but when we look at the passage, that's my question for you on this is when we look at the passage we don't see the language of covenant mm-hmm. we see the word blessing a lot yeah. so so where did you where did you end up with covenant when there's lots of language about blessing there instead yeah so I wanted to start with the word that's in our text which is blessing. But then help us see how it's building and holding on. It's building off of blessing and it's holding on to something. Mm. And both of those things are covenant. Mm. So without the covenant that we see uh, in Genesis 15, there is no blessing. Mm. Um, the blessing is a component of the covenant. It's a uh, it, it, the, the promise is another word for it uh, that we see Galatians particularly use. Uh, and saying like, hey, don't worry, the promise is coming, even though the, the law stands, it seems, in the way, because the law came after the promise. Mm-hmm. And so we don't put stipulations on the promise because the law came around. You still get the promise, and that's where we get the promise as a promise language. Mm-hmm. So blessing, promise, that language is rooted in and holds on to covenant. If it weren't for the covenant relationship that Yahweh had made with Abraham, then there is no actual promise. There's no hope. It's mm. just words. Yeah. And so for us to understand that this promise that they're looking forward to with, this promise that he's trying to hang his hat on and saying, no, I need this promise in my death just as much as you need it in your life because there's the kingdom that I need to go to in death. <laughs> yeah. That I'm holding on to that hope and that promise that's rooted in the covenant relationship that God made with Abraham. Mm. And so that covenant relationship uh, aspect is super important when we're talking about this particular promise, this particular blessing, Mm -hmm. Uh, because blessings went to all the children, Mm -hmm. but there's this, what used to be, or is normally, I guess, in in human nature, that firstborn component, right? Uh, That that holds really the chief preeminence. Yeah. Well, and, and then the preeminence here, we're talking about the first covenant, right, with Adam and mm-hmm. creation and the seed of the woman. Mm-hmm. And so what do who gets that? Who, who has the Messiah coming through mm-hmm. them? Who is going to be the ruler that we'll see later uh, in, in, with, in what, 2 Samuel 7? Uh, with David, who's going to be the the one on the throne forever. Yeah. And there won't be another king. It'll be him. Mm. Like, who's getting that? Yeah. Because that matters to me <laughs> yeah. a lot, especially if I'm getting ready to die. Yeah. So that aspect matters only because there's covenant. Yeah. If you take that part out, then it's just a blessing like any other blessing. Mm-hmm. This is like a blessing you'll give to your kids or I'll give to my kids. So like when you sneeze, people say, bless you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what, what, what does that mean, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, and if you know the history of that, it, it came from times of the plague. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. so you would sneeze and they will bless you. Sorry, you're gonna die. <laughs> One in three chance. I have nothing yeah. to. I have nothing to help you, right? But bless you. Uh-huh. Right? Keep but, that spirit away. <laughs> but the, but God. So you're saying God has not. God has not. Um, his blessing to us is not hollow, mm-hmm. right? It is not without substance. Yep. Right. It only has any power because of the covenant that He has. Mm-hmm. He has initiated that He has made with us. Yeah. And so then when you look at why that matters to them so much here at death, it's because of that very thing. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just my time to go. Right. right. But, I mean, he gets up and he worships. Yeah. And he gets up and he makes a big deal about this. Yeah. It's a serious thing. You see Esau's response into absolute anger and dejected tears. Yeah. And the scripture says that even through tears, he didn't get the blessing. Isaac yeah. said, 
No, and he will be blessed. Like he, Jacob. Yeah. He he will be blessed. It's his. Yeah. And so that's a big deal because it's wrapped up in this covenant. And so that mm. changed the way that they perceived it then. But don't miss the fact that that's what the, how that changed everything for how they lived up to that point. Yeah. They're that person today caring about the covenant blessing today because they believed in the covenant blessing all along. Yeah. It makes me think of when I preached last week on Abraham offering Isaac, there was one thing I left on the cutting floor was um, I mentioned it in the sermon, but I didn't um, go deep into it. The idea that this um, Abraham believed that the blessing must come through this son. Mm -hmm. So he didn't believe if I kill Isaac, God will give us another son, a different one, yeah, a different one. He said, God said this son, is the one that will um, bring about the promise. And so he believed that this was the only way. And if you look at some, you know, types of Christ in that story, which it, types of Christ are all over the story of the sacrifice of Isaac, that, that Jesus is the only way, the only truth, the only life. No one comes to the Father except through him. It's not through another son. Mm. It's through this son. Yeah, because it could have been, uh, who's the third son of um, Adam and Eve? After Cain kills Abel and Cain is dejected, is it Shem or no? It's one of I can't remember. It's one of Noah's kids. As a pastor, fail. it's a third. It's a third child, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't go through Abel, mm -hmm. and it's not going through Cain. He's been rejected and cursed. Right. So then there's the third one, but that's not. You're saying that that's not what Abraham was thinking. No, and in the same way, it was, you, it was this one. Is, is this one? Yeah, and and so and you see that theme again throughout that um, through David is the blessing going to come forth? And so it's not in another way. God has chosen one way. God has chosen one covenant. Mm -hmm. And through that covenant, um, people will be blessed. And so there is no blessing out uh, from God outside of the person and work of Jesus Christ, the covenant. It makes me think of um, Ephesians 1. Um, he's, Paul's talking about the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. Mm -hmm. And that blessing covenant language is all over what he's saying. In verse 3, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And he yeah. goes on to say, He chose us before the foundations of the world to be homely and blameless before him in love, predestined us. To an uh, inheritance. To an inheritance. And to, exactly. Through Jesus Christ. He talks about adop adoption. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the promise. Mm -hmm of his will, uh, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us mm -hmm. in the beloved. So the Amen. blessing promise, blessing covenant language is all over that. And, and thinking through the line of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, which is quoted all throughout the scriptures, mm -hmm. right? What does God come and say? I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, mm -hmm. right? That, it's not through another way. The the covenant was made here, and only through the covenant does the blessing come. Yep. You know there there is there is no blessing um, derived from God, received from God apart from the covenant that God yeah. makes with people. And you would think, and this was my hope, that that would make you take covenant seriously. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, because they're they're not. Right. They're just not in our world anymore. No. No, one way you brought this up as far as examples of covenant yesterday. Um, well, this is Tuesday because yesterday was a holiday. So I keep sure. saying yesterday. Uh, but we're recording on Tuesday when we normally do it on Monday. Is that marriage is an example of covenant. Mm -hmm. But how seriously does our culture take the covenant of marriage right now? No fault. Right. It doesn't. It doesn't at all. And if, it, if you do see people getting married now, they're getting married very late in life. Um, and they're, they have prenubs and all sorts of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, you see craziness happening, right? Um, recently I saw, um, some, on some social media platform, some lady and guy being, um, praised for the, the young man taking her name. <laughs> um, this is interesting. You, you pull covenant. What you're saying is that there's hope for the Johnsons yet. <laughs> <laughs> there you go exactly no no we're not doing that no we're not doing that um they will take their husband's name or that split stuff that they do oh no you don't need to do that stuff no but my point in that is saying you 
you you get into a really funky realm, and marriage is a good example of this, when you step away from the idea of a covenant with God. You see a culture that steps away from God, running into all sorts of craziness as it pertains to the covenants that we make. So the reason that we don't hold covenant dear or take it seriously in our culture today is because our culture and our nation has walked away from a covenant-making God. Yeah, and I think you're implying this. is you Don't forget the fact that God is the one who instituted right the covenant of marriage exactly <laughs> yeah got it so by rejecting marriage and its covenant you're rejecting the one who instituted it right yeah so you, if you start to step back and look all around you you see um the effects mm-hmm. of, a, of a of a world walking away from god and how detrimental that is right and when uh when a culture uh, deep dives into self-exaltation and self-worth and self-idolatry, uh, mm-hmm. it's because they've walked away from a covenant-making God and covenant-keeping God. So, But the people of God are to be different. Mm-hmm. right? The people of God are to demonstrate the covenant-keeping God in the way that they interact with each other, mm-hmm. right? in the covenant of marriage, uh, in the covenant of, of, of uh, their church. Which is supposed to explicitly reveal uh, the relationship between Jesus and the church. Exactly. So what are some ways... So how do we how do we live life under covenant? So we've already said you're supposed to look different. Okay, well, most people get that. I'm supposed to live like a Christian, do things in a Christianly way. Everything should be done for the Christian in a Christianly way. That's a Christianly way to make eggs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but which anymore is just to make them. Exactly, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But how do we live now in light of the covenant? Let's just talk about our our marriages for a second. So how does what you talked about on Sunday actually get down? And you gave a couple of analogies on Sunday, but let's get kind of granular if we can. How does this help me tomorrow morning as I interact with my wife or as a wife interacts with her husband? And with the world. And with the world. So a Christian, I as a Christian, I'm going to interact with the other gender in a very specific way, right? It's mm-hmm. different than the way that the world does. Yeah. As a married Christian man. First, you should realize... There's two genders. <laughs> There's two genders. That helps. Then we'll go from there. <laughs> it's very simplifying. Right. Uh, yeah. Now, and so then as a married Christian man, I'm going to still relate even more differently to all those other women. Right? Yeah. Um, as I look at, uh, as a Christian, as I uh, go out into this world, so I'm just trying to draw some distinctions between some of our single Christians versus married as a single Christian, I'm going to uh, live in this world as a man or woman of God. As a married Christian man, I'm going to live as a one flesh union Christian before this world and before this God. And so I relate to life then in a one flesh sense rather than a just me sense. Yeah. Uh, those things are not minor, right? When I consider... Uh, the way that I eat, the way that I work, the way that I work out, the hobbies that I'm involved in, what I'm learning. If I'm just a Christian man, I can really learn about anything that's going to help me in my sanctification. Mm-hmm. If I'm a married Christian man, I have a responsibility now to study those things that are going to help me in my one flesh union. If I'm a married Christian man with children, mm-hmm. um, I have to then prioritize even more. So, man, I would love to be reading about a lot of other things right now. Right. But I can't <laughs> yeah. because in light of the covenant and the fact that I want to honor the one who made it with me and the fact that I recognize that there are blessings and curses that are associated with my faithfulness to that covenant. Mm-hmm. If I don't study and develop and work in me the things that I'm required to, then I'm going to encounter curse inside of my covenant. Mm. I have to take ownership for that, for my part of the covenant. It's same By the same bout, if my wife doesn't take ownership, for those things that she should be studying and developing and growing and being sanctified in. She's going to bring curse on our covenant, not yeah. just her, but on our covenant. Yeah. Right. So all of a sudden responsibilities shift and change and some things that are permissible uh, and even acceptable and good now become not necessarily that because other things take, uh, take a, a higher priority mm-hmm. because I'm in a covenant. Yeah. And, and that, is something that you have to consider. Like that's why I'm trying to drive that word back in again. Mm. That's a consideration aspect that you can't just re- live life, re- you know, responding to everything. Yeah, 
I have to actively like take stock of that or I'm going to live in curse in my covenant. Hmm. The same thing is true for our, for our churches. If we're not involved in our responsibilities that they, I, I just brought some from Romans 12. There's tons. If I don't live out those responsibilities that are intrinsic upon what it means for me to be a Christian in, in a covenant body, yeah. I'm going to bring curse to myself and to the body. Hmm. We saw that. Yeah. We lived that. We we saw people who are part of our covenant body not considering others better than themselves, yeah. not considering the responsibilities that they had as a covenant member, and they brought curse upon themselves mm-hmm. that remains, and then curse upon us that remains until they were expunged. Yeah, That's a real thing. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't just happen because, oh, it was a fight. Oh, it was relationship. Oh, it was just preferences. Mm-hmm. That's wrapped, all of that's wrapped up in covenant. Yeah. And, and you can't escape that. That's why I said it, it rules everything. Yeah, covenant rules everything. It's, now, if you if you choose to not let it rule you, then you're going to find what happened in Exodus and the Numbers, right? Mm. You're going to get swallowed up by the earth. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to get bit by the snake, and you're going to perish because you won't look to the covenant head. Mm. So... Being part of a covenant has uh, implicit and intrinsic responsibilities that come with what you've decided to enter into. Right. right? Along with blessings and cursings. And those bring blessings or curses. Yeah. And and, and, and so if your life is full of suffering, that's one thing. Mm. If it's full of curse. It's another thing. It's another thing. Right. So, So what are some ways to figure out the difference between suffering and and curses because so because there's plenty we had a conversation before we turn on the mics about suffering mm-hmm. plenty of suffering when we talked about that in the last couple of weeks plenty of suffering in the believer's life mm-hmm. but how do i differentiate between the suffering and oh this is me just being refined and um, being made more like christ in my sanctification or this is actually a curse because i'm actually walking in opposition to the, the covenant rules mm-hmm. yeah i think there are easy and hard things for that so on the hard side, just because I want to be honest, we can't know. Mm-hmm. We can't know for sure. Uh, we spent Sunday morning looking through Job, uh, very helpful in this, and we can't know. Job didn't get the whole first two chapters and he, when God finally came and talked to him, which he does come and, and talks to him and tells him a little bit about what's happening. He never revealed to Job the whole wager that Satan came up with, right? right. So he didn't know that. Yeah. And that would have changed things for him, you would think, but did he still live faithfully? Yes. Yeah. Um, and so we can't know. We're not promised to be able to know. Now, on the same token, though, the whole point then of what we see that unfolds over Job is that he trusted Yeah. all along the way. I brought that up on Sunday too, trusted, right? Mm-hmm. Because we could spend 30 chapters having people like our friends even come to us and say, you have sinned. You must have sinned. I can't tell you what your sin is. Uh, tell me if you've heard this before, Jeff. I can't tell you what your sin is, but you've sinned, and that's why things are the way they are. Oh, yeah. Right? What is my sin? Oh, well, can't tell you. <laughs> and so they do that over and over and over and over again. Things wouldn't be like this if you were blameless, Job. Well, it right. turns out he's been blameless all along. Hmm. Right? And so we, it's not necessarily because of, of your actions. Now, the trust piece is, is the token word for me because I would say this. It's easy on the side that are you doing the things that are res- you're responsible for in your covenant? Yeah. And if you can say yes, well, then I'm probably going to lean into you're just in suffering. Yeah. You're suffering the curse that someone else brought on you. Mm-hmm. So we had many faithful people in our church and our elders, I believe, were faithful in what we went through over the, a few years ago. And yet the people that we were still joined to brought curse on us. Yeah. Now, it's been removed and it's been replaced with blessing mm-hmm. uh, in, 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 in innumerable ways. But the curse still came upon us and we were sufferers because of that. Yeah. Now, if you're not doing the things that the scriptures tell us to do as a component of what our covenant is, um, then you, you should be doing those. You're, you're bringing curse upon yourself and upon others. Mm. Those things make it clear that this isn't just suffering. This is, this is curse. Yeah. So... There's, there's a lot, 
it's, it's like an 80 20 principle here sure you might not know 100 percent, but i can tell you about 80 percent of what you're struggling with now is because you're not doing what you're supposed to do right like do those things sure then we can you know very carefully work through that last 20 percent. maybe if there is no sin left in you mm. uh maybe there is you know that type of thing but let's not throw out you know doing the 80 percent because we can't figure out the 20 yeah it's good let's be faithful in the 80 with very little effort right yeah. that's the tw- it takes 20 percent of the effort to do 80 percent of the thing yeah Ask yourself, am I being faithful in X area and that might be causing this? No, I'm not. I'll fix that. That fixes 80% of your problem. Yeah, that's good. And which is what we talked about last week. It's true. Of moving forward in faith. Yeah, exactly. And uh, if you're struggling to figure that out yourself, ask your ask a trusted friend, a godly friend, ask your elders, You know, ask your wife or husband to lean in and ask some of your older children maybe. Ask God. Ask God. Ask God does. first. <laughs> ask God first. Yes, but sometimes people get in that in the scripture, and you can if you look. My point is, is if you and we're going to talk about this idea of covenant within a local church body here soon. If you look in the mirror, you're going to usually by yourself. You're usually going to give yourself a higher score mm-hmm. than you should, which which shows you don't have an under, true understanding of, of who you are um, before God and how you're actually undeserving ultimately of a covenant, right? Which yeah, makes you stand in awe. Only Michael Jackson and Batman were, were good at that. <laughs> I don't get the reference. It's okay. Okay. You're not going to explain it? Man in the Mirror. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Look at you. Which, which now it's stuck in my head. Lego Batman. Will Arnett d- pulls a, 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 a Steve Carell and uh, steals his quote. Just like uh, Oh right, right, like right. Michael just Scott like, does with Wayne Gretzky. With Wayne, Wayne Gretzky. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Thank you for that. Rusty pulls out these random analogies that are probably very good, and I'm just too dumb to grab a hold of them. I'm like, say something like you understand, and I've just learned to say, I don't. Please explain to me, sir. Smile and nod. That's what I do. Smile and wave. Smile and nod. Um, Going back to the the things that I'm supposed to be prioritizing uh, as it pertains to the covenant of my marriage, give me one thing that should be prioritized when it comes to there's plenty of things we could study. There's plenty of things we could perfect. But when it comes to prioritizing the covenant of my marriage, I should be doing X. So I don't know if this is chief chief or because it is in this passage. And so it stands above all the other passages or not. But we'll go with it. And Ephesians, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the chief orientation that we see, at least in that passage, because there are other ones that we could discuss, is that for a husband to a wife, it's to love her. Mm-hmm. And for a wife to a husband is to respect him, mm-hmm. right? Uh, that's completely blown out, and, and both are supposed to just love each other, right? Mm-hmm. Well, so that's our first wrong step. Then the second wrong step is to say simply that loving your wife means what? Making her feel warm. Right. And here we've been talking about all the proper ways to love people from the pulpit as pastors as brothers and sisters in Christ, and most of those are offensive. <laughs> right. So what would your marriage covenant faithfulness look like if you offended your wife mm. in love, with mm. love? You know, that, that mm, that's a different conversation. Yeah. That's a different expectation. And so the danger is, is that we might be living in covenant curse with our spouse because we've not been doing a proper loving. That's good. And we, going back to our first point, as sojourners that are supposed to live and look different, how often do we just settle into the groove that the world has cut in the road of, Mm -hmm. well, if mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't want to be sleeping on the couch. It's always a sad thing. As much as I love and respect, highly respect the the older generation, the gray hairs, there's some gray hairs out there that are, are, uh, they're, Foolish, <laughs> yeah. right? Their gray hair is deceiving, and oftentimes this is seen when you do the dance. Uh, you know what is it? You do the um, how at a wedding when you go out the reception, and the the couple that's been married the longest, right? They'll say, "How many have been married this long? This long? This long?" And you you have like two couples left on the dance floor, and then oh, forty five years, and you know then you got one couple left, and then what they do What's is the secret to your marriage. They bring the bride and groom out, and they say, "What was the secret to your marriage?" and Without fail, yep. And I've preached a lot of weddings. I've officiated a lot of weddings, and I've been to a lot of weddings. Without fail, the majority of those answers are just always keep her happy and learn how to say yes, dear. That comes from the man, you know. And and then the then everybody uses kind of laughs, and the lady says something kind of silly as well. 
and that's a worldly, wicked ideology. You might live longer here, but Maybe. you probably will not be as uh, thoroughly celebrated <laughs> on the other side. Right. True. And well, and you're you're not truly loving and keeping warm your bride. Um, so yeah, that's that's difficult. Learning how to tell your wife no. You know, we're as as sons of Adam, we're all battling the curse um, that he should have looked at his wife and said, no, Eve, you don't need this. And here's why. Mm-hmm. Right now, I think a good um, a good marker, too, to seeing a man who loves and leads his wife well in covenant is one who's willing to look at her and say no. And here's why. Mm-hmm. Now, you be careful about that because, you know, you don't always have to. You don't always have time for the why, right? Mm-hmm. And you should be living in such community with each other and and um, and covenant with each other that there's a trust that is there that you don't always have to know why, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I remember my father, and it's, it's a little easier when it comes to your kids. I remember my dad, you know, saying to us as kids when he would say no sometimes, well, why, dad? Just because you need to trust me on this one. And there was maybe times later that he would explain that, and there was times he didn't, and coming through a situation with remember this one event that all these friends of mine were going to Kings Island and my dad said no. And, uh, we were like, why? And I remember having such a horrible attitude and something really bad went down with all those friends. Mm -hmm. And my dad didn't explain his why in the moment. Mm -hmm. And I was grateful later though, that I didn't do it, Mm. you know? Um, and that's not always the way it goes down, but I think a husband who loves his wife is willing to look at her and say no. And then, Adam should have said, look around, Eve. Look at all this fruit we're mm-hmm. able to eat. If, you just done, if she could have just done like this drone zoom up really fast yeah. at the whole garden, like, <laughs> look at all this. Like, God's about to show up and walk with us. Well, if, I, if you were better at dominion, I wouldn't have to eat this apple. Yeah, that's true. If you had cultivated more, more trees, then mm. I wouldn't have, that, That's the excuse. That's, like, true. that's the argument. Yeah. So that's where you gave... Uh, I. I I told Russ earlier, I was like, thanks for, thanks for this statement, Russ, because my wife lovingly used it on me last night. She said, that's okay. I'll be willing to trust you even though you're blessing the wrong son. Because <laughs> you said in your sermon to the wives, are you willing to, to trust your, hu- your, your husband even if he's, he's blessing the wrong son, right? So there is a place where God has called you to trust mm-hmm. and to obey. Trust him. Trust God ultimately, then that's that's why you're able to trust yes. your husband is because I just want to be God, very clear. <laughs> yeah, not yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and husbands can't use that as as, as uh, ammunition against their yes. wives. But that's good. That's helpful. Um, let's go on and talk about covenant with our kids. So the covenant language with our spouse. Okay, understanding my covenant with God. That's how I can put that into practice with my my marriage. That's a little easier because you've made a covenant, mm-hmm. right? That's easy language to transfer. Yep. And the scripture is very clear that our marriage covenant is a picture of the covenant of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, what about our children? How do we live in, because we don't make a covenant no. with them. Yeah, that's the, that's one of the, the weird things there is that they're part of this covenant relationship, it seems, that you have with your bride. Mm. But you're one flesh that are leading, nurturing He's raising these children, but yeah. you're not in covenant. And so what do you do with that family? And then recognizing that most of what we see in the New Testament is talking about God's people as a family. Mm-hmm. And so, hmm. <laughs> right. which is where we have some discussion with our Presbyterian friends, right? <laughs> sure. Uh, so, so then the question is like, all right, well, if we're dealing with this blessing, how do I make sure that my kids who are not in covenant with get to be blessed, get the promise, get to be and here's your, this is why the second point was so important, get to be part of the covenant. Yeah. And so that's where Abraham's children come in um, the, and the discussion in John 8. And that picture of like, okay, how do I bring my children into this covenant? How do I recognize that they're in there? Now, there's different views even among our, our, our staff, I think. And, and are we bringing them? Have they always been? This is where we get with, you know, circumcision, baby uh, baptism, all this stuff. The question remains, are my children, children of the covenant? Because Esau was not right. Cain was not right. Mm. Like there are clear children in this, this family 
that were not regenerate. They were not part of the covenant. They don't get covenant blessings. Mm -hmm. Ishmael was a child of Abraham, but he was not. Yeah. Right? That's that's a big deal. And if we're talking about this passing on of blessing, and particularly along the line of Joseph of trying to motivate them towards, you know, fulfilling yeah. the covenant promises of sending them back into Canaan. Then I, I I've got to wonder how do I get my children to be part of this this family and how do I know that they are and that's mostly where I pushed was you you hear the word the word has a home in you mm. and so for us the blessing that we have is God's word it's implanted in us and then the word became flesh yeah. right and and now we can see with our eyes and we can also hear and and, and see the word. And that has a home in you, or it does not. If it does not have a home in you, then you're you have a different father, hmm. and it's not Abraham, right? It's, yeah, it's not Yahweh. So you so you can pray for blessing. You can, you can maybe even reap some of the overflow blessing of your covenant family, mm -hmm. your um, your biological family who are mm -hmm. believers, but that blessing is is as hollow. It is for you because there's no covenant made there. Yeah, you may get to come to Egypt and and take partake of the uh the food yeah you may get to leave in the exodus mm -hmm. right and be free from slavery and go with god's people mm -hmm. um but if you're not god's people right then you're going to perish in the wilderness yeah you're going to be consumed by the earth you're does it have a home in you mm. are you actually part of the covenant family yeah not all the israelites were israelites right not all of abraham's children are abraham's children so what's one thing we can do to uh test or cultivate so there's a testing and like is does the word actually have a home in me and then follow-up question how do we cultivate that then like yeah making sure the word has a home in us so i, I think probably twofold one that i tend to do i think in all my sermons and i think i'm okay with this being a touch mark of my preaching but i, I really try to do appeals like I'm appealing, longing for you to, to care, <laughs> not mm -hmm. about what I'm saying, but about the word, right? Yeah. Um, there's going to be a worship component of this faith that comes with this blessing, this promise. You've got to want it. Yeah. Uh, there's a, a, the question of like, do you even want this blessing? Mm -hmm. This is the stuff that I've been outlining for you, this covenant, do you want that? Right. And if you don't, then... Well, you don't have to have it for one, <laughs> and then two. Right, you're also not Abraham's child. Yeah, you often will say in a sermon like, "Why are you here? Uh -huh. <laughs> like, why did you show up today? Like, yes. quite literally, why did you get up early, get your family in the car, mm -hmm. you know, look halfway decent, and show up here? Yeah, for everything else in life, you have an expectation for that. I mean, if you go to Taco Bell, you have an expectation. If yeah. you go to work, you have an expectation. If you go to your kids practice. You have an expectation. Why'd you come here? Yeah. What, what are you expecting? Yeah. Um, and so then we, we find that worship component helps us see then that second piece, like the word actually being heard by you. Mm. You do something with it. Yeah. And, and that's been all of our points with faith since the beginning of chapter 11. Yeah. Right. You do something with it. And that's part of why I, I jumped back up to Enoch. Um, I know it's, it's easy for, easier for us all to reference the sermons that we specifically preach because we spent more time in them. But sure. that <laughs> the ending part for Enoch was just so appropriate here of like, you got to believe he exists. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, That's a, the, I keep getting these really duh. simple pieces. Like, do you believe he exists? Yeah. Um, and that he then rewards those who seek yeah. him. And yeah. so the ones who seek him are the ones who hear the word. Yeah. Mm. How many people do you think show up to church service or they're a part of a church that are just desiring a blessing mm -hmm. versus um, this is a covenant and there are blessings and curses as far as my behavior and my life is concerned and I so I take this seriously how many people I think are looking for the I think of like a priest sprinkling holy water mm -hmm. you know on people how you many people see you, that think that like that? you can see that in marriages of people who expect everything from their spouse but aren't mm -hmm living up to their end of it or willing to die themselves. Yeah. These type of things. You just want all the blessing of the covenant without the responsibilities. Mm. And, and what you find is neither. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's interesting how, yeah, we see that in marriages where 
a husband or a wife will expect from the other one what the scripture requires and they spend a lot more time reminding their spouse of what they're supposed to be doing from the scripture versus making sure they're mastering their self mm-hmm. what the scripture has called them to do so that maybe that's an encouragement i would have to our people is for you know for you husbands if you're discouraged in how your wife is responding to you and you're not seeing her living out um what a godly wife is supposed to look like um ultimately it's your responsibility mm-hmm. you know um we were giving eve a hard time over there but adam should have ran and and um not allowed her around it at all mm-hmm. right stomped on that snake's head and said let's go walk with god mm-hmm. uh, so are you mastering what it means to be a godly husband and then the flip side of that often i think that maybe it's even harder for um christian women in this area because it's really easy to point out where their husbands are failing because ultimately they're the leaders so it can be really easy to be like this is my this is my fault is your fault ultimately yeah, and I think that's where we're heading on our next King's Table uh, recording is there is a, a I didn't there's a lot that I could have said all over the place yesterday. There's a an aspect, but I didn't want to muddy the water with what I was tackling and and depressing. That particularly with women, you there are women who have to follow ungodly patriarchs, mm. right? Or evil patriarchs. You have a husband who's clearly in sin, mm-hmm. those type of things. And 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 I'm not in my question of like, can you trust your husband when he's blessing the wrong son? Is not saying. I'm, I'm explicitly not saying trust your husband when he's doing clear sin, yeah. right? My, my point is, can you trust God? It's God's sovereignty that sure. was at stake there, yeah. right? Um, so with that out of the way, yeah, there's a very real reality of women have to walk that hard line of trusting yeah. Yahweh, mm-hmm. but trusting their husband. And if their husband is, is an evil patriarch or he's just in, in sin currently, sure. that, that's a hard spot. So we're going to tackle that more extensively. Yeah, for sure. One last question about um, how this has worked out in family, and then we'll wrap it up. If we want our children, and again, wherever we fall on um, the particular beliefs of covenant succession and so on, uh, what's one thing, what's one way we can help our kids um, when it comes to calling them to be children of Abraham? What's one way we can see, test, cultivate the word finding a home in them i think it's going to be from that affections and worship side okay um because the finding a home is like you hear my father's words is the kind of language that john used right uh what jesus uses yeah and he says you know um i'm telling you the truth and you won't hear it I'm telling you things that are real and you don't want to hear it, mm-hmm. these types of things. And so there's this, this settled affection and love and worship for the truth, for the things that are uh, of substance, the things that are of God, God's word, mm-hmm. that I think marks that person who actually is Abraham's child from someone who just likes stoicism. And Jesus is pretty stoic, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. Um, because there's that philosophical component of what we are as Christians mm-hmm. and there's that relationship aspect of what we are as covenant family. Mm. And so when you are talking about truth with your kids, it's, uh, in a corrective way, going to be hard to hear, mm. but you're going to see a love for it. And we mm-hmm. see that with adults too. Mm-hmm. It's hard to hear the truth. But there's a love for it. And we're going to hear a lot more about that in the next chapter, chapter 12. Right. But that correction and discipline that comes with truth is going to be something that there's affection and worship for. We mm-hmm. love it. Yeah, it's good. So, I think one thing that is very helpful in living in covenant with our, our marriages and with our children as we're seeking to see if the word has a home in us, I think in particular when it comes to our children and desiring and um, and, and interacting with them as if they are believers and trusting Mm -hmm. that um, they will become, right? I agree. I think that should be our our bent, yeah. Yeah, that's how I interact with my kids. Um, This is my desire for their testimonies one day is for them to say when somebody asked them, like, when when did you, tell me your gospel story, tell me how you became a believer, when did you uh, know your need for Jesus? I want them to say, like, well, I've always known my need for Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so I'm going to interact with them 
um, on the basis of the covenant because I am a part of the covenant. My wife's a part of the covenant. Um, and so I'm going to interact with them on that and test and see whether or not the word has a home in them. Do mm-hmm. they, does it go from, um, just, I have to do this to there's, there's, that's that second part of, um, our mission that there, there should be an affections part the growing in love. Yep. And that love is exactly. seen by not just an excitement, you know, to go to church, mm-hmm. but by obedience Yeah. where it goes beyond mom and dad's, um, command. Mm-hmm to this is the reason mom and dad are, are um, giving me these commands. And the reason I want to obey mom and dad is because I'm obeying as unto the Lord. And the things that they're teaching me, I'm beginning to to develop um, an affection for, for, for my king. And yeah. so therefore I want to obey him. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great connection. Last, very, last night at dinner. Very on brand. Well, very on brand, there you go. <laughs> uh, last night at dinner, um, my father-in-law was sitting at the head of the table, it was funny, and we had some cookies. Um, for after dinner that uh karen had brought over and bryn said something to both the boys you can have two cookies right and then we dismissed them and and they went off to play and they had their cookies and uh my father-in-law jokingly and kind of uh because kind of testingly because i think he, he kind of knew what was going to happen he had another cookie and he kind of offered it to judah Uh-oh. on the side and judah put his hand up and said no i'm Thank you anyway, but I'm only allowed to have two. And, and he went off. Now, Judah can be a little um, pious at times. He's expecting a third one because of his righteousness, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, but Jeff's, after Judah left, Jeff said, man, that was cool. I figured he would do that, you know. But And we're starting to see in him, you know, the, mm-hmm. a desire to actually obey, not just because mom and dad said so or because he's just afraid of the consequences, but because he tastes the goodness. Yeah. And 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 the the res, and the um, the positive results in his heart um, of obedience um, are the reward, not mm-hmm. because I'm gonna you know be praised or something, yeah. but because um, this honors my king. And so I think we can trust in that way. We should interact with our kids as if they are believers, preaching the gospel to them, and and test and see if the word has a home in them. And you may not get that third cookie right then for his obedience. But one day he'll get rewarded yeah. for his obedience. Amen. And a way to do that is is keep your kids in covenant. Let your let other people in your church be in such covenant with your church family. And we could talk a long time about this, but I'd say so that they can also give testimony to that. Mm-hmm. You know, as they observe your kids in kids' church and uh, when you have to call a kid out for running or whatever it is, you know, yeah. and and observe that so that you can have uh, extra confirmation that the word is finding a home in them. Well, I appreciate your time, brother. Um, you and I always like to push the time limit on cold pizza. I think it's just me. My pleasure. <laughs> but I appreciate you taking some time to really kind of dive a little bit deeper into uh, what this actually looks like in the everyday life. Because we don't want people in any way to think that was them. This is us. How, how do these ancient patriarchs have mm-hmm. anything to do with my everyday life? Yeah. Like, like God's not asking me to go sacrifice my kid on an altar. Well, actually he is. Well, okay, yeah, to your point, like there's that other danger, not to add another hour to this, but like people are going to look at these patriarchs and be like, yep, Jesus. Yeah, right. It's done. Right. So. Good point. Cheers. Good point. <laughs> now what? Yeah, now, now what am I supposed to do now? It just meant <laughs> Jesus, right? No. There, yeah, and that uh, there's a lot we could talk about. Maybe we should do a king's table on a lot of that comes from. I was just thinking about this this morning. That's that gospel-centered movement. Yes, that uh, we're reaping the the negative consequences of. Yeah. It's it's just Jesus. Oh, I totally could have got up there and just preached like this has all been oh, fulfilled. Yeah. Oh, that would have been my sermon prep last week on Abraham and Isaac would have been. Yeah, for real. Like, I wouldn't have had to do. It. I could just walked up there and been like, it's Jesus. Yeah, that you know. And, but what do I do about all this other application stuff that I'm supposed to be, you know, diving into? What about all this work out your salvation? Yeah. It's the, and we've been saying this all, it's a no duh that he is the one working in you. It's a no duh that he has made the covenant. He's the initiator. He came to Abraham. He has come to you. But, and there was blessings and curses wrapped up in the covenant and the terms of the covenant were set. Mm-hmm. And the same is true today. The terms of the covenant covenant are set. Yeah, let's you, not forget the second half of the Old Testament. Right, exactly. All about their failure in this. Yeah, you, you can't go and, and, and make amendments mm-hmm. right on God's covenant. He said what he said. Mm-hmm. 
He double sealed it, mm-hmm. right? By swearing upon his his own name. Yep. And there is no blessing apart from from his covenant. So, let's rejoice that we have this covenant in Christ ultimately, and let's go and act accordingly. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, as always, we want to encourage you to take what you've learned and to allow the Holy Spirit of God to plant it deep in your heart and go out and do something with it and to go know, love, and obey Jesus as Lord over all. We'll see you next time.